thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guy Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today's show is going to be all about everything about food labeling and what you want to know about it, how to read it, and uh, I guess what scares you, what are the toxins that might be not labeled and that uh, you should be aware of. So let's start off with Damien Christoph, our uh, in-house resident uh, nutrition expert and, and guru and so much more rock star, blah, blah, blah. Damien, what's, uh, what should we know about food labeling? Why is food labeling such a hard thing for us to kind of, like, why do they make it so hard? Let's, let's put it that way. Let's, let's read the first question. It's such a good question, but really it's so easy. You know, food labeling can be used, uh, look, you know how everything can be used both for and against you? And I say this all the time, like you can use science both for and against you. If you read the labels right, you can use it to your power. If you don't know how to read a label, you can be in a fair bit of trouble. And if you read the label incorrectly, then you can make a bad decision. So it's really good to get all that sorted out. And there is that confusion. People do think that labels are really difficult. But today we're going to you know, chunk it all down, make it really, really simple so that for everyone who's listening, they can understand more and more about what the, what the label actually means, what what they're actually reading when they look at a packet because it is important. Somebody asked, in fact, it's a great friend of ours, Travis West, who's a chiropractor. He asked us a question. He says he was talking to a client about their nutrition. He then mentioned something about they're being used by date for two years and his question then went on to ask, should we be buying any foods that have an expiry date, full stop? And uh, and so we thought, well, maybe we can talk all about labels and expiry dates and all those sorts of things. And so you should be crystal clear after tonight's call. Yeah, and you know the key with checking food labels is you want to look at the back of the pack because so often when we go to the supermarket, what we're looking at is what's on the front of the pack and often there's all sorts of claims there and it's fat-free and it's you know whatever they happen to be wanting to claim at the time, it's sugar-free or whatever it is yeah. um, and, and often that's just the marketing, that's just the gimmick, that's just the spin that's there from the marketers and the PRs but what you actually want to do is turn it over and have a look on the back and see what's actually really in it. You know, what is there actually below the spin and below the marketing? And that's what's going to give you the real information about which foods you should be choosing and which foods you shouldn't. Well, let's let's start with what to avoid. I mean, let's start with the front of the pack because we'll we'll deal with the back of the pack. But front of the pack, what are some of the major uh, words that we should be kind of be cautious cautious when we're looking at it and go, you know, when it says sugar free, uh, yeah. you know, gluten free, um, fat free, you know, there's yeah. so many of those like words that just jump out at us at the beginning. Um, yeah, well, that kind of just, yeah. Tell us often the fact that it's got a packet's a good start. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. Here's the thing. Like, there's a lot of great food that comes in a packet. You know, for example, and I know this sounds kind of crazy, but tonight I wanted to buy myself some loose leaf rocket. Now, could I get loose leaf rocket? Because all of my rocket burnt the other day with the, you know, with the hot weather we had in Melbourne. I couldn't get any loose leaf rocket, so I had to buy a rocket in a packet. Now, is that good or bad? It has an expiry date. Um, it's been washed ready for my own use. Now, I know that it must have gone through some kind of a water bath. Maybe if I'm lucky, it's gone through some kind of UV ultraviolet treatment so that it's burned off some, um, some bugs. It's possibly gone through a chlorine bath as well. 
you know, is it something that I should avoid? Should I not have rocket it's, in my dinner because I can't get it out of a packet? What should I be doing there? It's it's kind of the good, better, best argument, isn't it, Damo? I mean, mm, you know, obviously what, what we're going to say is, look, ideally, we'd love to get that rocket without a packet, wouldn't we? We'd love it to be fresh. We'd love it to Absolutely. be actually picked straight out of the ground, you know, oh, just, just straight out of the ground in your backyard and pick them yes. straight onto your plate. That'd mm-hmm. be the best, you know? Yep. Um, but what obviously, you know, what you've done is better than, you know, going down to the local fast food joint and grabbing a burger, you know? So there, there's a spectrum there, isn't there? And you've always been trying to do the best you can and, and do the best, you know, that you can afford and, and all those sort of things. So, you know, you're never going to be perfect, but it's about making those choices of, you know, good, better, best and, and going for the best option you can, I reckon. Well, you can. So yeah. some of the words that we should avoid, let's, let's consider that. So sugar-free, you should always avoid that. Um, because if they've got a claim that it's sugar-free, then, um, then, you know, what are you actually buying? You know, There's a very good of... chance it's got those artificial sweeteners, isn't there? Mm, yeah, definitely. and look, you know, there, you know, when it says no artificial sweeteners, they might actually have things in there that are considered to be natural, but really it's not really that natural. I think I've spoken about this before, like the stevia um, sweeteners, the stevia-based sweeteners out there that replace sugar. Um, and they say, you know, teaspoon for teaspoon equal to sugar. It actually doesn't because it might equal the sweetness, but by the time you, you, you break down all the erythritol and the alcohols and all the other junky stuff that goes into your body, they're no good for you. So if it makes a claim that something that would otherwise originate in nature is now free of, like fat-free or sugar-free, then um, it's probably not that ideal for you. Oh, am so, I still talking? No, no, you're, you're just trying to come off mute. Yeah. Obviously, one of the things that you know, Damien, you you obviously have a cereal, so you would know some of the regulations. You know, with regards to you know the labeling and what has to go on a packet and what you know what can and what can't. Let's talk yeah. about you know one of the things that uh, get people right off. I, I see it all the time. Is you know gluten free, right? Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about this before, like gluten free. And I heard this somewhere, and I can't, I don't really know the source, but he basically was saying that just because it says gluten free doesn't necessarily mean that that packet of food or whatever you want to call it is actually gluten-free. It might actually contain traces or even have gluten in it as long as it falls under a certain percentage within the food itself. Is that correct? Well, kind of. You know, you can say anything is gluten-free, but unless it's got the gluten-free certification, then it may actually contain glutinous ingredients. So anything that has gluten-free certification gets tested. Every single batch that you run always has to be sent off in order to, you know, certify that you are gluten-free. And I do that with my breakfast cereals. I actually have to send it off. But when we buy our grains or when we buy our nuts and seeds, even though it's all gluten-free and it's organic and it comes from a gluten-free environment and gluten-free farms and all those sorts of things, because of the risk of one grain floating through the atmosphere and landing in the crop and then all of a sudden magically it appearing in your bag of cereal. Because of that risk, the companies that we buy all of our stuff from to, you know, to put together a blend won't actually guarantee that their gluten-free grains are gluten-free. Even though if you were to test it, you would find absolutely no gluten. It's just that if there happens to be by chance something that does contain gluten, they can't be, you know, they can't sift through bazillions of grains to find one little piece of wheat or one little oat or whatever it is. So yes, you can buy gluten-free products that are not certified gluten-free that could contain gluten contamination. Absolutely. If that, you know, if any of those products did get tested and they were found to have a label claim that was inaccurate, they would have their pants suit off them. Absolutely for sure. And they'd be shut down. Um, So long and short of it, there is a chance but if it's gluten-free and it's certified gluten-free, then the chance is much, much less. 
And the parts per million is something like, I think it's like 200 parts per million um, is the upper limit of gluten tolerance that can actually be then still considered to be gluten-free. I think it's 200 parts per million. I should ask Rebecca that, but but I'm just I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's 200, it's possibly less. But there is a certification in place that you actually have to apply for and you have to send off to be tested to be proving that your product is gluten-free. So what else do we need to worry about in terms of labeling? Like, so we also, we talked a little bit about the front of the label, then there's also the back of the label or side labels, I guess. Brett, you know, you, you dabbled in this and you kind of have an understanding of that too as well. So what are some of the things, careful things that one, our listeners should be listening for, or look, sorry, not listening for, looking for when it comes to food labeling? Well, I think, you know, Cindy O'Meara, who obviously talks on our network and has, uh, you know, on the amazing Ufra Chat show, and she often talks about this. And one of the things she always says is when you turn over the back of the packet, the first thing to look at is what are the ingredients? You know, rather than looking at the fats and the protein, the carbs and all that sort of stuff, which, which whilst it's important, the first thing you want to look at is what's actually the ingredients? What is this food actually comprised of? Is it actually real food or is it just a chemical concoction, you know? Yes. And so, so often you'll turn over and you'll look at that ingredients list and, you know, obviously we spoke before about sugar and often you'll see sugar as one of the top one, two or three ingredients there. And so, um, you know, know that those ingredients are listed by how much of each ingredient. So the, the food that – or the the most common ingredient, the most prevalent ingredient in that food is going to be listed first and then the second and then the third. So That's by weight. That's by, by weight. weight. Thank yep. you, Tony. So if it's yep. right up the top there, then you know that it's the most prevalent by weight in there and very often that's sugar. But the other thing you want to look at is all the different ingredients and all the different names. And it's absolutely shocking when you start doing this and you start looking at these labels and you just see these names of these foods and you have absolutely no idea what that actually that <laughs> word actually means. There's these huge long words with numbers and brackets and asterisks and it's just scary and you think, well, what actually is this that I'm putting into my body? How, how does my body know what to do with this? Like it's, it's not a natural food. It's not really often, in my opinion, a food at all. And so you want to start looking at it and say, well, what are, what are these ingredients that are going into my food? Am I certain that these are safe? Am I certain that these are you know, going to be healthy for my body, that, that are designed for my body to, to use in an appropriate way? And, and I find very often that's not the case. You know, I want to turn over and see just real foods like you know, apples, pecans, pistachios, you know, whatever it is that's actually a whole real food that's gone in there. And, and you know, obviously, we look at Damien's Siri, you can turn over and look at that and see you know, all ingredients that you're going to recognize. They're real foods. They're, they're simple ingredients they're whole foods it's, it's not chemical concoctions it's not you know stuff produced in a lab that you've never heard of and so that's the number one thing that i look for when i turn over the pack just because it's edible doesn't mean it's food i think that's a really yeah. big thing to you know consider because there's so many things that you can put into your face and uh, and it will fill you up and do stuff to your body but uh it, it just doesn't mean that it's food you, you, a lot of people think that just because they eat it, it means that they got some kind of nourishment. It's interesting because uh, you know there's a lot, whole lot of studies that have been, a lot of reports that have been coming out, and there's a thing called "Good Enough to Eat." It came out by Oxfam, and it talks about you know malnourishment, and it's because they still talk about malnourishment in the world as being people who are underfed. Whereas it's interesting in the Western world where we have chronic obesity, many of these people are actually malnourished. In other words, they don't have enough vitamins and minerals because they eat so much stuff that really Scary. isn't food. You know, it's not food, is it? So I think that's important to to to, take, to look at. The thing that, you know, you said something before, Bredo, that made me think, well, a lot of the things that people are looking for these days are functional foods, you know, foods or, you know, uh, food stuffs. Let's call them food stuffs because, you know, they're not real foods, but they enter your body and people consider it to be a food. Functional foods like 
margarines that lower your cholesterol or decrease the, you know your cholesterol absorption and manufacture those sorts of things um, particular types of um, other foods that you know that alter the way in which you know it affects your blood sugar regulation or whatever else and and these sorts of things if they have a mechanical effect on the body um, or a chemical effect on the body um, then they they're, they're kind of they're not really foods either unless it's an apple that actually has a function for your body because it's healthy you know like it's a global effect so be careful of things that have a claim if it has a health claim um, or it had, makes a claim like actively lowers your cholesterol then it's highly likely to be you know not a real food product in fact probably has other effects on the body that are you know less than helpful or less than good for you mm. Well, the other the other thing to look for as well that I think people, you know, get caught up on is the nutritional facts, right? The nutrition facts. And I, I was speaking to a client of mine, like a patient in my practice, the other day, and she was so she was so livid. Actually, she was so mad because she was um, spending some time with her grandmother, I believe, and uh, who happens to have diabetes, and uh, and she was shopping with her, and one of the things that she was d- doing was she was looking at the labels. Uh, when she was shopping and she would ask her grandma like what are you actually doing and so she says the reason what i'm doing is i'm actually checking a look at the fat content so she was buying cereal like for for breakfast say um based on the fat content but not the sugar content gee because that's dangerous isn't it now listen listen to this though right she was taught right she was taught by a diabetic association Right. Oh, okay. Don't get me started. Uh, right. no, I won't name any names, it's, but you know, I about Heart Foundation. Yeah. So that's the next one to I think go for. We're going to do a whole podcast on this. Yeah, I guarantee. You, but I just want to kind of right. And is and is and she paid for this course as well. You know, to learn about this thing, and you know, we're talking diabetes, and the person, you know, she was looking for the fat content and not anything else. And so she was buying this, this uh, I can't remember what cereal it was, I won't name any brands, but it was like, yeah. you, know, you know, it could have been like 23, no, it wasn't four, it was like 23 grams of sugar or whatever it was, um, but, you know, had zero fat. So therefore she bought that cereal. Isn't that ridiculous? So oh, It's so be, ridiculous. So talk about yeah. that, comment on that. Well, oh, I, I, saw, I saw a post on uh, Facebook the other day where someone was talking about this and they said, you know, it's interesting because, you know, there's some cereals that there that, that say that they're going to make you into an Iron Man. They're going to give you big muscles and make you really strong. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. there's other cereals there's other that say, well, look, you know, this is for the ladies. It's going to help keep you slim and fit into that tiny little red dress. They all and contain then, corn oats and wheat. <laughs> they contain the exact same ingredients, yet one of them is supposed to keep you slim. One of them is supposed to make you big and muscly, <laughs> and yeah. they're exactly the same. It's, it's portion size, ridiculous. man. It's portion size. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. 35 grams versus is 100 it's uh it is it is amazing very very concerning um uh, we actually went to put forage. There was a big prize. The diabetes. Diabetes. I know. I'm not. I'm not going to go on a diabetes association bashing right now. Do, but I'm just going to point. <laughs> so they were offering up the opportunity to put your product into a big prize basket worth two thousand dollars to one of the subscribers of Diabetic Living. It's a magazine. Um, you know, it's really good for cleaning your shoes with. Um, so I. Um, I, I put forward the forage range um, knowing that it's super high-quality nutrition, nothing mucked around with. It's high in fat, which is good fats, low in you know carbohydrates, which is a good thing. And uh, we got notification back from their dietitian saying, very sorry, thanks for submitting a cereal, but it has too much fat and not enough carbohydrate for our diabetes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Can you believe that? Dietitian, freaking idiot! Unbelievable. <laughs> no, just be, just be, uh, let's be, let's be clear on that. He said 
idiot of that one person, not the whole profession. Okay, so let's be clear on yeah, that. True, so. you know, I, I might even mention that person's name, but it drives me mental that uh, we've got people that are governing nutrition and um, intakes and and talking to the government about what people should be eating, and, and the government's paying all this money for medications that uh, the Diabetes Association is actually fueling. It just drives me mental. Anyway, all right. So let's go back to the nutrition. <laughs> let's go back to oh. the nutrition fact. Like, what are some of the key things to look out for in regards to when someone is looking for the nutrition fact? I mean, most people know, like, or have been taught somewhere down the road that you need to look out for sugar or um, fat. Is that what they should be looking for? Should they be looking for the the actual amount in grams, or they should be looking at for you know the percentage, or is it per serving? What are they supposed to be looking for? I would look to the ingredients. I actually wouldn't mm. worry about looking at the nutrient panel first. Excellent. I would look at the ingredients first and then look to see whether or not what's in the list of ingredients in the top five, what's in the list of ingredients are these foods that you want to eat. And then read down all the way to the bottom and see if there's any numbers and see if there's anything else that's been added to you know, bind or flavor or emulsify or thicken or whatever else you decide that you're going to be eating and putting into your body. Just think about it and ask the question, is that something that you know enough about and is it something that you want to eat? Um, and if it's not, then maybe you should just put that packet down. Essentially, the ingredients list should be everything that's familiar to you and everything that you would otherwise be able to buy and assemble yourself. Now, I think that's really, really important to understand because if you can't assemble it yourself, it's highly likely to be something that's you know probably less than good for you. What about the debate of the trans fat? Is that um, still not required to be listed on the nutrition facts labeling? It's not required. Yeah, you don't have to put it on there. Um, I think margarine companies and and you know companies like that that use a lot of those fats that uh, you know that do are converted into trans fats. You know when they put all of the oils and all those things into the vat, they don't contain trans fats. But through the hydrogenation process and the emulsification processes that they you know put those oils through and the heating and all that sort of stuff, then trans fats are created. Um, but you only have to list the ingredients in the you know the the nutrients based on what it was when it went into the vat, not what it is when it comes out of. So it's um. It's it's very it, it is somewhat misleading, but yeah, it does and it does very much worry me. Um, but trans fats don't have to be listed um, if you don't put them in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like, there, there's so many of these ingredients out there. When you start talking about you know all of the different chemical concoctions that can actually be going to food and be called food nowadays, that you know. That that's why we're saying just look for real food. If you know, as Damien said, if you can't make it yourself, then there's a really good chance that it's a that it's a chemical concoction. And without actually going in and individually researching each of these individual components for you know whether that's healthy for you or, or even whether that's believed to be healthy for you right now, because very often there'll be stuff there that we believe to be healthy that's actually an unnatural concoction. And then five years, ten years, twenty years later, we go, oh, well, actually, turns out you know that stuff we were putting in there, those trans fats or whatever it happened to be. We told you that was healthy for you. We told you that was actually a good thing that we were giving you margarine instead of butter. And now we've actually realized that maybe it's not so good, you know? Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Yeah, oops. I know. But, I know. It's, but, it's, 
Sorry, it's a bit like it's a bit like um, you know the interview we did with the guy talking about GM Foods. You know where we're talking uh, to Scott about Steve, who he's talking about GM Foods and how that might be a problem down the track, and that we're just a human experiment. And we go, "Oops, sorry about that." You know, we mucked up with that one, like the cholesterol thing that Peter Dingle talks about. You know, "Oops, sorry about that, we mucked up." You know, just I think if we're a bit more sensible about it, we're not going to find ourselves in trouble. Well, talk about cholesterol, like you just mentioned about cholesterol. I remember hearing this um, from, from someone, like I said, I can't even remember who, this, who I learned this from. I think it was actually from the fish oil. You need more fish oil, tea. No, it was the Bulletproof guy. Um, he actually was talking about the study on coconut, right? So coconut oil, we all, like if you say coconut oil, what do we associate coconut oil with? It's usually cholesterol, right? Coconuts. And so most, coconuts. yeah, coconuts. Yes. But most people have this perception Sun still boom. about coconut with you know, high cholesterol, but it was actually done in the studies. I can't remember what year, probably in the 50s or 60s. It was, it was actually these seed companies that actually took um, their seed oils, like, you know, canola oil, sunflower oil, and went against this coconut oil that was actually hydrogenated, just like margarine, and basically found that, um, that you know, the coconut oil pushed the cholesterol higher. So therefore, it's always been known that coconut oil is bad for you because of the high push on cholesterol. But actually, coconut itself doesn't really do that because, you know, coconut oil, it was actually the testing that they used was actually coconut, not true coconut oil, but it was actually coconut oil mixed with hydrogenization of it and actually transformed it like to a margarine level that actually created cholesterol. Yet today, still in 2014, we still have this idea that coconut oil is still affiliated affiliated with high cholesterol. Isn't that amazing? Big words, big words, Harold. <laughs> Good boy, you did get them out. It's, it is amazing. It's uh, it's very, very concerning. I've been having my coconut uh, oil. My, my brain's getting better. <laughs> Maybe you need a, a teaspoon just to l- loosen the lips a little bit. Uh, but um, you know, what we could talk about boys, which I think is really important. We look at a nutrient label. Okay, let's let's consider. We've looked at the ingredients, and we we go okay. A, B, C, D, E, I like all those things. What does it all mean to me? What am I trying to achieve and where am I going with my food? Because many people are talking about keep your protein up, keep your fats up, keep your carbs down. So what are the sorts of things that we look for um, in a nutrient label that um, that are relevant? And I think that it's good to consider all this and just put a bit of perspective around it because a nutrient label, which is what I think is, you know, regardless of us saying don't look at a nutrient label, people are going, well, look at a nutrient label. So <laughs> let's just Definitely. pull it apart. So, Bretto, what's your take on the nutrient label all right so this is how i do it right so basically the first thing i'll try and do this is if i'm going to the shops or going to the markets the first thing i'll try and do is buy stuff without a label right so my first point of call is i'll go to the organic veggie stall i'll go to the you know healthy meats you know grass-fed meat stall and i'll get most of my stuff from there that's my first point of call and then there's some stuff that i I think okay i couldn't get that there so then i'm going to go into the supermarket or into the you know organic cafe or whatever it is and i'm going to look for these other things and so once I've got that, then I do. I turn it over, and the first thing I look at, as we said, is the ingredients. So I want to see that the ingredients there are just real food. There's no fake stuff. There's no artificial stuff. Preferably organic if I can get it. Yeah. And then I look to the nutritional panel. So it's like the third step of the process. It's the last yeah. thing you look at. Yep. And so then when I'm looking there, really what I'm looking for is roughly an even ratio overall of fat, protein, and carbs. Now. That doesn't mean that every single food that I eat is an even ratio of fat, proteins, and carbs, but it just means that I'm mindful of that, that I'm not having foods that are just really high in carbs and and lower in fats and proteins. I'm wanting to get a a pretty decent balance between those three. Um, And I find that when I I do think about that and I make sure I keep the balance pretty good between those three, then that tends to work really well for me. That tends to keep me feeling good. That tends to keep me looking good. 
and and that's sort of the sort of the rough ratio that I look for. But once again, that's that's the third thing in the process. It's certainly not you know, the ingredients I find are far more important than that. But but that's the third thing I look for when I'm start looking at those labels. So we'll look at a nutrient label, and it will say um, total energy, and it will usually measure that. In Australia, it talks about energy in kilojoules. In the States, it talks about energy in terms of calories. Now, a, kilo, a calorie is about one quarter of a kilojoule. So just to give you some kind of an idea of you know the difference in the numbers. Um, but the portion size of the serving size is irrelevant. So the, the serving size is just something that the manufacturer wants to put on the label to help you work out how much you should be having. And to give an idea of this, you know, with my forage product, I put you know the serving size there at 40 grams or 50 grams. I think I put it at 50 grams initially because I wasn't too good at maths. You know, it took me two and a half years to pass first year accounting, right? So, you know, I'm not that good at math. So I figured if I've got 100 grams, which I have to give you, um, then if I halve it, it's easy just to do the math. So that's how I initially started doing it. But then I found out that people, everyone was having 50 grams because that's what the serving size was. So, you know, I had to go into more discussion about the palm method, which maybe we can talk about that another time. But the palm method is a great way, you know, to portion size things out. So just ignore the serving size because that's set by the manufacturer. Go to the 100 grams because the 100 gram amount allows you to understand the percentage. Because where there's 100 grams, the amount that's actually in there per 100 grams is the percentage. So we look at the carbohydrate, the protein, the fat, because carbs, protein, and fat all give you energy according to a nutrient label. My argument is that they give you fuel and you've got to convert it to energy. So my thing is that look at how much fuel you're getting as a percentage of your total serving size. So you're looking then at, you know, it might be 12 grams of carbohydrate per 100, which is 12%. It might say 24, you know, maybe it wouldn't be 25. Um, It might be 11 grams of protein per 100. um, And then it might also then be, you know, 40 grams of fat per 100. And then, so that's never going to equal 100 because there's other, you know, bits and pieces that are also in that 100 gram serve that aren't measured in terms of, you know, fat, protein, and carbohydrate, like water and fiber, for example. Um, Those things also fall into there and vitamins and minerals and other solid, you know, things that don't get measured. But um, you want to try and work out your percentages in the 100 per 100 gram column. And that's the most important thing to look at. Don't look at the per, per serve. It's irrelevant because your serving size is different. What The amount that Brett eats versus Lawrence and versus me versus our children and our wives, it's totally different um, across the board. So you don't need to look at the serving size. So we talked about what to look for, but what are some of the things that we should definitely look for that we want to avoid altogether, that we would not even touch it in terms of buying that particular product? Let's talk about that. Brett, what, what, what were some of the products that, or some of the ingredients that you would see and you go, there's no way I'm touching that? Yeah, there's probably a few of these. Just right off the top of my head, I think um, artificial sweeteners. You know, As soon as I see anything that's got artificial sweeteners, I just won't touch it. I just don't Same. want a bar of it. Um, you know, you look at the research in terms of how that affects nerve cells, how that affects brain cells. I'm just like, no, nah, don't need it. I'm just going okay. to avoid that. Yeah. So, so straight off the bat, anything with artificial sweeteners is out. Um, straight off the bat, any, anything with trans fats, so hydrogenated, partially hydrogenated oils, that's yep. out. Just avoid yep. those altogether. Um, you know, I tend to avoid you know anything with gluten in it. So that's probably not as much a hundred percent rule, but that's probably a, like a ninety nine point nine percent rule. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll avoid anything with gluten in it most of the time, the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Um, what about um, you know MSG? How do you go with that? 
Well, I don't find there's a lot of stuff that I buy that has MSG in it. It's not well, something yeah. that I see a lot on the label. So it's but probably you know, more people something. Buy, people buy rice crackers, for example. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they'll buy rice crackers yeah. and they'll, you know, it'll say um, original flavor on yeah. it and it's a blue packet and they'll go original flavor, but they don't turn it over. But the original flavor actually contains, you know, 635 or 627 MSG, yeah. right? So they don't look for that. So, you know, getting the Chemical Maze book is a really good book to actually take with you. If you're actually going to buy processed foods, which, you know, go for it. If that's what you want to do, go for gold. You know, I think all of us in this call would prefer to minimize the amount of processed foods that come into our house to almost zero. So, but if you are going to buy any processed foods, take that Chemical Maze book around with you and, and just check it out. Well, okay, guys, there was so much information in this one. I'm sure that people are going to have to kind of rewind and go back to some of these things. We'd love to know what you avoid and what you look for in your food labeling. Go to our Facebook page.com slash The Wellness Guys and The Wellness Couch. And while you're there, make sure you like us on Facebook. But more importantly, we'd love to hear back from your – love to hear on your feedback on what foods that you have and what to avoid too. Share your, this podcast with your friends and your families and the strangers that you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there and leave us a five-star rating and leave a comment on iTunes. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Couch. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch.